0: All right, that was good enough for me, praise God. But can you put your hands together for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? He's worth more of our attention and our applause than I ever could be. So we thank him for this opportunity uh, to speak this morning. Uh, Today, we're continuing our series called The Stories That Jesus Told. We're talking about parables that we find in the Gospels. Now, if you would, if you have your Bibles, uh, would you turn them on or open them up? to Matthew chapter number 13. If you have your Bible, if you have a mobile device, flip over to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 13. We're going to read starting at verse number 24. I'll be in the new international version of the scripture this morning. Verse 24 reads, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed, good seed, in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came in and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you preach the message that you want spoken in Jesus' name, amen. The parables are stories, short stories told by Jesus to capture our attention and to activate our imagination for I believe one purpose, for us to see ourselves in the kingdom. We, God wants us to see ourselves with him or without him. He wants us to identify with a character in the text. And see where we stand with him. Or identify with another character and see where we could stretch toward. How far can we stretch? How far can we grow? In this story, this parable, Jesus activates our imagination and calls our attention to a very controversial topic here in Minnesota. In the state of Minnesota, because it's recently legal, he calls our attention to weed. know where you stand, but Jesus is talking about weed. Can you imagine? He's not talking about that weed. He's not talking about cannabis, but he is talking about weeds in this text. He's talking about an invasive species that has come into the field and corrupted the field of good plants that he has planted. So let's talk today about the weeds and the wheat. Let's compare and contrast the weed and the wheat. You see, wheat is one of the oldest known crops that we're aware of. Back back in 9,600 BC, we have evidence of wheat being uh, cultivated as a crop. Years have gone by. People are still cultivating wheat, still growing wheat. There are a variety of species of wheat, but in general, it is a cereal grain, and it it is grown for its edible grain. It is used to make flour, which we put in so many yummy, yummy foods, bread and pasta, desserts. And all the glutinous, glorious goodies that we could fit in our stomachs. Some of y'all are moaning. Sorry for the gluten intolerant people. There's something in this message for you, I promise. Jesus wants to talk to us about uh, the kingdom in this parable. If you look at the very first sentence, he says that the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed good seed. In his field. The kingdom of God is like planting wheat. The kingdom of God is like gardening. Many of us have planted something in our lives. Maybe you took a seed, you were eating an apple, and you took that seed and put it in the backyard, and you never saw it again. Many of us have planted something in our lives. Maybe you have a garden in your backyard, in your, in your house or whatever. Maybe you, you live on a farm and you've planted crops professionally. Maybe you have spoken a word of encouragement into the life of a friend who was going through a tough time. Maybe you have given a life lesson that was valuable to your child. We've all planted something in our lifetime. And I believe that Jesus uses this planting language so that we can all comprehend, we can all understand, we can all relate to what he's about to tell us because we can all understand what it means to plant something. You see, he wants us to know that the kingdom of God is like planting a seed. Seeds take time to develop. The kingdom of God is like planting a field. There's some weeds that might come up. The kingdom of God is like planting wheat. There's going to be some distractions and disruptions on your path. You see, the kingdom of God takes time to come. It takes time. And some of us get a little impatient we frustrated with Jesus when his kingdom doesn't come right now, when he doesn't jump when we say jump, we want fast food kingdom. We like vending machine Jesus. We like automatic Jesus that, 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 that says, when I snap my fingers, Jesus, I want you to show up right now. But Jesus says, the kingdom of God takes time. And it needs us to be patient. All planted seeds take time to grow. All planted seeds need attention. All planted seeds need love. All planted seeds need water, need sunshine, need someone to care for them. They need some consistent investment in order to become all that they were designed to be. I have some experience in this. I told you last time I I preached about Bob. Y'all remember Bob? If you don't know about Bob, go back two weeks in the recordings and you can learn about Mr. Bob, which is a funny story. So just go and listen to it. But I have some other experience about sewing into people's lives. You see, for 13 years, I taught at the university level and I am Absolutely amazed that here some years later that I continue to get text messages and phone calls and emails and and actually follow some of my former students on social media and to watch their progress is absolutely amazing. To say, I had a part in that. Not not in a prideful way, but when you plant something and you see it grow up, when you invest in a child and you see them become successful, you want to sit back and say, man, God, you are amazing. Because all I had to do was plant a seed, but there's some other stuff that had to happen for this thing to be successful. But what happens when... The seed that you plant is now surrounded by weeds. What happens when uh, the things that are going right in your life all of a sudden take a turn for the worse? What happens when the weeds grow up in your garden and start to take over? What happens When those undesirable things happen in your life, in your church, in your city, in your country, in this world, what happens when those undesirable enemies come and sow seed into your field? and disrupt what you're trying to produce what happens when uh, uh, the haters come along and and talking behind your back and and speaking evil over your life what happens when those distractions take your eyes off of your goal and you end up over here when you wanted to strive to be over here what happens in life when uh, you don't have the resources in your community to be as successful as your talent wants you to be. What happens when weeds grow up in your field? How can we be kingdom citizens, all that God has prepared and created us to be when there are so many weeds among us? Well, there's one thing that I believe that Jesus is trying to communicate. I would, if Really, if I picked this whole sermon of Scripture apart, I'd be up here for four hours. I had to tell Sonia, cut some of these slides out. Because it's so much, it's so rich, it's so deep. But I want to give you one thing. Hopefully, you can hold on to this throughout the week as you progress in this world full of weeds. That one point is this. Know your role. That doesn't seem that big, Gary. Know your role. I get this line from one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. If you're a WWE fan, maybe you heard of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Does anybody know Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Anybody know any of his catchphrases? If you do, follow along with me. If you smell... Yes, I got somebody. Yeah, yeah. Finally, The Rock has come back to Minneapolis. (laughs) The Rock had some amazing catchphrases that electrified audiences for years, and he still does. He's just uh, that uh, entertaining, but One of his lines that was a a, a bit abrasive to me, but yet it was very electrifying, was his line, know your role and shut your mouth. He would tell people that and people would be like, oh my goodness, we would go crazy. Know your role and shut your mouth. I'm not telling you to shut your mouth, but I do believe it's important for us to know our role. You see, he got this line from another wrestler. Uh, This backstory is very important to me because there's another black wrestler at the WWE at the time. His name was Ron Simmons. He went by the name of Farouk. And Farouk was an older wrestler in the WWE. And what he would do is he would take the other black wrestlers and bring them under his wing. Because at that time, the WWE never made black wrestlers into superstars. You never saw a black superstar in the WWE. Some of them got a little notoriety, but they never went Hulk Hogan. They never went Sting. They never went Ric Flair. They never went Macho Man Randy Savage. And so Farouk, with his age and experience and wisdom, would bring these wrestlers under his wing, and one of the lines he would tell them, he would say, listen, I know Dwayne Johnson, you have a lot of charisma. I know Mark Henry, you have a lot of strength. I know D'Lo Brown, you have a lot of aggression, but I've been in this thing a long time. I've got some wisdom I'd like to share with you, and in order for me to share it with you, you need to understand your role. Because when you finally understand your role, then you can take what I invest in you and you can go to your next level. You see, God has a next level for you and you and you and you. And he wants you to understand that you need to understand your role in order to get to where he's trying to get you. There's a role that you need to play. There's a role that you were created for. There's a role and an identity that he has already given you. And when we live into that, he has such great, a great harvest ahead for us. He says, your role is one of two things in this passage. You're either wheat or you're the weeds. The wheat. What's wheat? Wheat is important. Wheat is if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you believe and trust that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, if you believe that Jesus is your king, your Lord, and that he calls the shots in your life, if you believe that I am here to follow Jesus and his example, and wherever he leads me, that's where I will go. He says, you have identified yourself as wheat in this story. In contrast, if you have not decided to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you do not want him to direct your steps, if you do not want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, the King of your life, if you do not want to follow him and you don't want to listen to what he actually has to say for your life, he says that you are the weeds in this story. And the beautiful thing is, That he allows us to choose which character we are in the story. We get to choose that. But one thing we're going to see in the text is we don't get to choose an identity for somebody else. Let's dig in. There's wheat and there are weeds all across the world. There are wheat and there are weeds all across our country. There's wheat and there are weeds all in our city. Matter of fact, in this room right now, in our church, there are wheat and there are weeds. <laughs> I'm taking it a step further. If you, will, if you tell the truth and, and, and identify for yourself, you will admit, if you want to tell the truth, that there are some wheat and weeds inside of you right now. That there's some good, there's some bad. There's some challenges and there's some successes. There's some joy and there's some pain. There's some good times and some bad times. There, there's, there's good and bad. There's wheat and weeds in your life right now. And Jesus said, I want them all to grow together. Our lives, if we will confess, are filled with the tension of conflicting natures. Paul says it best. I love Paul because Paul is real, as real as they get. He says in Romans chapter 7, verse 19, I want to do what's good, but I don't. I want to do, or oh, oh, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. That's why we need Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who will apply righteousness to your life, even though you haven't achieved righteousness. Jesus is the one who will bless you with mercy when you deserve punishment. Jesus is the one who will bless you with grace when you don't deserve any grace at all. Jesus Christ is the one who stands in the gap for you and for me. Jesus, in this story, continues to sow good seed. If you think about your life, Jesus continues to sow good seed in your life. But as soon as Jesus walks that far down the field, somebody else comes sowing some more seed behind him. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Where you are doing well. Things are going great. Your relationship is good. You got the job that you were after. You got into the school that you were applying for. Man, things are going wonderful, and then something turns. A challenge comes up, a sickness that you weren't expecting. There's, a, there, there's something going on, and oftentimes we complain, and we look at God, and we say, God, why is there so much evil in this world? Why do bad things happen to good people? God, why do you keep allowing these things to happen in my life? God, do you hate me because you keep doing these things to me? God says, don't blame me. There's an enemy in the field. You need to know that for your life, that there is a real enemy in the field, and he does not want you to be successful. This enemy does not want you to be productive. This enemy does not want you to see Jesus. He wants to give you every excuse to walk as far away from Jesus as you possibly can. But Jesus says, I need you to focus on me. There are weeds in this world. So what do we do with them? Do we, and this, let me just tell you this real quick, that this story is set in a political landscape. Oh, God. You see, Israel wanted, at this time, they were praying to God for a political solution to their challenge. They wanted Israel to rise again. They wanted Israel to be great again because Rome had come in and taken over. Rome had come in and oppressed them, and they wanted a military leader, a political leader to come in and lead them to victory. They specifically wanted someone to come in and destroy their enemy. So what do we do in our lives when we are faced with folks who uh, don't vote like us? What do we do with people in our lives who are in the neighborhood that we're in and they don't take care of their yard like I want them to take care of their yard? Do I make their lives uncomfortable until they move out? What, what do we do in, in this life when we have enemies of uh, people who are just not like us? Do we get the roundup and start squirting our, 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 our weeds? Do, do, do we pick up and move to a new garden Where there are no weeds. There's a guarantee there are no weeds in this neighborhood. Or or, or, Do we get to eliminate our enemies? Do we get to uh, go on the attack and go right at our enemies and talk bad about them and and lock them in jail or do whatever? Do we get to go after our enemies? Jesus says no. He has another suggestion that we ought to consider. When we are surrounded weed, with weeds. Before I tell you that, let me, let, me, let me tell you this. That he makes an interesting assumption in this text. If you look at it, uh, it's about verse number 2 and verse number 3. He says that there are some workers that come and ask the sower, Do you want us to pull up the weeds? You want us to go out there, Jesus? You want us to go out and pull those weeds up? And what does Jesus tell them? No, don't do that. Why? Because he makes the assumption that the workers don't know the difference between wheat and weeds. Let me show you a picture of the weeds that would have been there back then. It's called Darnell. This is the type of weed that they would have dealt with. This is the type of weed that an enemy would have come in and sown during that time. It looks just like the wheat. As a matter of fact, the farmers in that day hated this. They hated this type of weed because it looked so similar. And when it grew up next to the wheat, you couldn't tell the difference. Jesus said, no, don't pull them up because if you pull them up, you're going to hurt the wheat. If you go and pull the weeds right now, you are going to damage the wheat. And the wheat is too valuable to me to lose. I don't want to lose any of the wheat. I want the wheat to grow to maturity in order to be harvested. I want the wheat to have a good life. I want the wheat to continue to grow and be healthy and continue. But if I remove the evil from next to it, it's going to do more damage. To my crop. Jesus is saying, there's some evil in this world. There's some challenges going on all around us right now. There's some weeds in the field. There's an enemy out there sowing right now. There's some evil going on inside of me right now. And if God were to eliminate all of the evil, guess what will happen to me? I'll be eliminated too. Because there's some things in me that he's still working on. There's some things inside of me that he needs to continue to get some fertilizer on. There's some things inside of me that he needs to work on and continue to give me grace for and continue to offer me mercy. And I thank God that he has not eliminated the weeds yet. But there will come a day, he says, that I will harvest. And then at that time, he says this. I will do the separating. I will do the separating. What do we do when Christians don't know their role? What happens when Christians are not satisfied with being wheat? I think I need some water for this. What happens When Christians step outside of their role, what happens when Christians want to be the gardener instead of the wheat? What happens when Christians want to be the Jesus police instead of the plant that God is trying to grow? It's well documented throughout history what will happen when the Christians step in and think that they are the judges, think that they are the gardener, think that they are the ones pruning. We see uh, an increase, uh, we see uh, um, manifest destiny. We see white supremacy we see theft of land we see the destruction of tribes we see the dehumanization of people which leads to lynching and murders and mass incarceration we see what happens when people step outside of their role and become the judge instead of the wheat the gardener instead of the wheat uh, we see it just happened last night, yesterday in Florida. We saw in Jacksonville, Florida, that a gunman went into a dollar general looking for black folks to gun down. And that happens far too often in our country because we want to be judges instead of wheat. Sometimes we want to uh, uh, be, we see it happening on a on political landscape right now where books are being banned in the state of Florida. Because their truth doesn't want to be told. It makes some people look bad. It doesn't make look bad. It it just tells history of what actually happened. And then what else happened? Just this week in Arkansas, the governor has banned all African-American studies. It's becoming a trend. And if we don't step up and say something, and we don't step up and vote or do whatever we want to do, it will continue. There's a book written by uh, uh, Joshua Heschel, Abraham Joshua Heschel. This book is phenomenal and life-transforming. He was a Jewish uh, theologian. He wrote this book, Moral Grandeur and Spiritual Audacity. It will change your life. And what does he say in this book? (laughs) What I just said. He says that this is the strategy when you burn the books, when you remove the history, when you take away the knowledge of a certain people, what it is, is the same strategy that the Nazis used. You see, he was there. Abraham Joshua Heschel, if you don't know this man, he is a man who escaped the Holocaust. He's a man who grew up in Poland and he escaped the Holocaust, but his mother and siblings did not and he came to the united states and studied and he always regretted that that he was the one that was saved and not his family but he had direct experience with this he said that the nazis took away the education of these people the jews the nazis burned the books of the people That they called the Jews. The Nazis took away everything that would identify them as being human. So that when the time came and they wanted to eliminate them, it was okay with everybody because they weren't really human. They had no history. Watch out, folks, about what these people are trying to do. It's really dangerous. And if you don't feel it because you're not a part of the same persuasion as I am, talk to this one of us and hear the pain of the people who are marginalized. There's some real weeds around us. Too often, we overstep our bounds. And instead of following Jesus, we want to be Jesus. And we cause more harm in this world. In this Christian life, we want to decipher good and evil. We want to do what's right if we really follow in Jesus. But sometimes it's difficult. It's difficult to see what is right and what's wrong. We think because of how we grew up, we know what's right and what's wrong. But Jesus says, "Uh, be careful about that. He says in this text that you can't tell the weeds from the wheat. I'll do the deciphering for you. There's a game, a video game, that my daughter loves to play. Uh, It's called Roblox. Anybody know this game, Roblox? Y'all heard it? All right, Roblox. Uh, Yeah, it is... So much fun for the kids, isn't it? It is amazing. This game looks so sweet and harmless. It is a a, a gaming platform where anybody can make a game. You can go on right now and make your own game on Roblox. And you know what? The more that I've investigated Roblox, the more I look at Roblox and, and see how sweet it looks and everything. And the more I look over my daughter's shoulder to see what she's up to, the more I see that it's an open source platform designed for predators. Be careful, parents. Roblox looks sweet, and there's some sweet games on there. Some real, my daughter loves this game, Adopting Kittens, or something like that. It's, it's, it's really cute. But you look at some of the chats, and you look at some of the graphics, and some of the explicit nature that people are putting into these games. Roblox is saying, you read their website, they say, We're trying to keep up, but they make making too much money. <laughs> They're not worried about keeping up for your child. Watch what your children are doing online, parents, because everything that looks sweet isn't sweet. Looks, Jesus is saying, are deceiving. Everything that looks good isn't necessarily good. That's why we need to be We need to remain rooted in Jesus. We need to uh, uh, remain rooted in his truth. We need to read scriptures and apply them to our lives. We need to become more and more like Jesus in every area of our lives. Why? Because we need him to lead us and to guide us. We need to surround ourselves with Christian community. We need to not only come to church, but I believe that we all need a small group of believers that we can count on, who can pray for us, who we can tell our business to, that they can help us to grow relationally and spiritually. We need people around us who want to see us progress. We need to understand our role. Do you know what your role is? Do you know what the role of wheat is? What's the task of wheat? What's wheat supposed to do? grow. That's all wheat's supposed to do. How many of y'all seen wheat in the field saying, look at all of these weeds. I got to get these weeds and cut them up and rip them up. That'd be a cartoon. The wheat is not out there doing all of the work. The wheat is just sitting there growing The wheat needs to absorb the sun. The wheat needs to absorb the water whenever the farmer waters it. The wheat needs to absorb the nutrients so that it can focus on growing. Brothers and sisters, you need to focus on growing. I need to focus on growing instead of looking at everybody else's problem and calling people out and pointing these two fingers at people and calling out their problems. I need to watch this. My mama told me if I point my finger at somebody, it's three others pointing back at me. That's who I need to work on. Me, myself, and I. Jesus says, be wheat, grow, because if you grow, a harvest is soon coming. Folks, I'm going to leave you with this. Sometimes we're looking at life and we're looking at all the negativity. We're looking at all of those people who are maybe against us, those people who talk about us behind our back. We look at all of the problems in this world. And guess what? Those are weeds in the field. And Jesus is saying, I got something better than weeds. Would you put your attention and focus on me? Would you put your attention and focus on the fact that I woke you up this morning? Would you put your attention and focus on the fact that you have breath in your body? Would you put your attention and focus on the fact that your heart is still beating without you trying to do anything? Would you put your attention and focus on the family and the friends that He's surrounded you with? Would you put your attention and focus on the community of Mercy Vineyard Church that He's blessed you with? Would you put your attention and focus on the good things and the great things that He is doing in your life and is about to do in your life and not? Keep looking back at the negative. Keep your eyes. Y'all can clap if you want. Keep your eyes and your focus and your attention on him because when we start to get distracted like Peter, we start to sink. And when we start to sink, we start grabbing on people. You ever uh, uh, started drowning and you you got other people around you? You start bringing them down with you i never forget, I was 12 years old, I didn't know how to swim yet, and my, my cousin told, told me, oh, go down this slide, and, and the water's not that deep, you just splash in and get up and walk out. And I said, okay, that's great, and I got on that slide, and I slid down in that water, and then, I wasn't, but I don't know how tall I was, but I'm still not that tall. I stood up like he told me to, and the water was here. And I'll never forget because I thought I was dying. I, I, I was dying. I was taking water in. I'm grabbing any foot that came close to me, and people are kicking me off, and I'm bringing other people down until finally somebody came alongside me and lifted me up and put me on the side. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter how many weeds you're surrounded with. It doesn't matter how far you're drowning. There's a man named Jesus who came down 42 generations to put his arm around you and say, I got you. I'm bringing you out. I'm taking you forward. I got your destiny ahead. Just keep staying with me and keep your eyes on the prize and we are going to make it. Worship team, y'all can come on up. But ladies and gentlemen, I think that every wheat will produce a harvest. Every healthy plant produces a harvest. But watch this. Wheat never produces a harvest for itself. You ever saw a wheat plant eating its own wheat? It's called cannibalism. That's not good. A wheat plant can't eat its own wheat. Why? Because a wheat plant grows to produce a harvest for its farmer. You produce a harvest for the farmer, and watch this, anyone who the farmer shares with. Folks, I believe that God will have us to grow more the more our harvest is shared with others. There's a generosity piece that is key to our spiritual growth. God wants you to grow more spiritually. Yes, it's vital to get down into the word and dig deep and learn more about his truth. Yes, it's important to get into times of prayer and silence and solitude and grow in your relationship and conversation with Jesus. But he says that there is even more ahead if you give, because if you give, he gives back to you. I'm going to ask you to take a next step with me this week. Listen, if you have one of these connect cards, which all of you do, at the very bottom, there's a line that says my next step. And I'm going to put something up on the screen. I'm going to ask you, ask you to practically show the love of Jesus this week and to for one person. Choose one person in your life, at your job, in your family, or your next door neighbor or complete stranger. And then these are just some suggestions for you. I'd love for you to share a meal with them. Take them out to lunch. Say, out my treat." I'd love for you to send them a note of gratitude. Matter of fact, if you have your mobile device, you could do this right now. Go to your messages app and text somebody. Just find a random person in your context and say, I'm praying for you or I support you. Or if they're going through a sickness or something right now, I- 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 I'm-, I'm with you. If you need me, call me. Send an encouraging message to somebody right now. Give of your space, your time, your mind, your resources, and watch God do something amazing in your life. Watch him produce a harvest that you don't have room enough to receive.